Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is Larry Brenner, king of this podcast. How are you, Larry? I reckon I'm doing just as well as any podcast host, Andy. Maybe better. Uh, I, I am feeling lots of excitement. My voice may not connote excitement, but trust me, I'm excited. What movie are we doing today, Larry? We are doing Davy Crockett and the River Pirates from 1956. Mm, such an interesting movie. Uh, well, some key facts to get this thing going. This movie is another film edited from the Disneyland television miniseries. Um, they they showed several um, episodes, kind of like tune in next week, that kind of thing. So this film, I think, is a, it's a bit of a prequel, according to Disney, to Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, which we covered in season two, episode 12. And we do quite a history lesson in that episode. So if this is your first foray into the Davy Crockett craze of the 1950s, I think you're in for a big treat. Yeah, I, en- I enjoy this. Don't let my, don't let my snarkiness <laughs> at the beginning make you think I didn't. I did. It's just, you, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah. So so Disney calls this movie a prequel. And, and like I said, I take a little bit of issue with that. I, I would position this movie right after Crockett serving in Congress, but before the showdown at the Alamo. And here's my reasoning. So in 1825, after he lost his seat in Congress, Davy became a tradesman making barrels He hired a team to manufacture barrel staves to sell in New Orleans. And so that's why he was interested in flatboats in the first place. So in real life, Crockett very nearly drowned when his flatboat capsized and trapped him below deck. He was rescued uh, by his crew and another ship ended up coming along and saving them all the next day. That should be in this movie. Right. That That is inherently dramatic. Davy Crockett sinking in a ship. Oh, yeah. oh, if only it had been in this movie. Right, right. But that isn't, yeah, sadly. Also, this movie posits that Davy Crockett was already a friend to the Chickasaw Nation. Mm-hmm. So that would have been because of his stance against Andrew Jackson in Congress. So that's kind of why I'm positioning it. I... I mean, yeah. you know, you guys can't see this at home. Andy's got a whiteboard out where we've erased all of <laughs> we've erased all not. the notes of me trying to position the Tigger movie within Winnie the Pooh's chronology, and we're focusing on Davy Crockett. <laughs> but I mean, that I I think you're right. I think this is more of a midquel than mm-hmm. a prequel. I couldn't tell you from from his through line, like whether this is before or after his his wife passed, or or exactly where it is. You, it feels like when we're watching it, we could be like, this is just a Davy Crockett story that you could put in anywhere. Mm-hmm. But it but it certainly isn't him at the beginning, and he's nowhere near the end. Right, right. Well, there there's a lot of real-life Western prairie fan fiction surrounding the life and times of Davy Crockett. The play that wowed New York audiences in 1831 was called The Lion of the West. Uh, there's an unauthorized Crockett biography published in 1833 called Sketches and Eccentricities of Colonel David Crockett of West Tennessee, which becomes a bestseller. And Davy was kind of disturbed by that biography. So he created his own autobiography the next year 
and that it sold even more copies than the unauthorized biography. So wow, wow. There's also quite a bit of legend surrounding Mike Fink. He was an unbeatable marksman who served in the French and Indian Wars as a teenager. And in his 20s, he enters the uh, the transport business, mostly known on the Ohio River, but also on to Mississippi uh, and St. Louis. Like Crockett, he takes on a semi-mythical status, but he really was known to be a bit of a braggart. And there are two historians, uh, Walter Blair and Franklin Miney, and they did some research in 1956. Interestingly, I, I don't know if they did the research because this movie came out and they wanted to, I mean, it seems kind of serendipitous that they would do that. But anyway, they quote him as, they quote Mike Fink as saying things like, I'm a salt river roarer. I'm a ring-tailed squealer. I'm the very infant that refused his milk before its eyes were open and called out for a bottle of old rye. <laughs> I love the women and I'm chock full of fight. I can hit like fourth proof lightning and every lick I make in the woods lets in an acre of sunshine. I can outrun, out jump, out shoot, out brag, out drink, out fight, rough and tumble, no holts barred, every man on both sides of the river from Pittsburgh to New Orleans and back again to St. Louis. Well, uh, I mean, you know, modest as the day is long, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that certainly paints a picture of the kind of person that he is. Right, right, right. Oh. right. So Fink actually did used to shoot mugs of cider off the heads of drunk people. Oh, good. <laughs> but in 1823, near the Yellowstone River, he was too drunk to make the shot and he killed a man. And the man's friends retaliated and shot and killed Mike Fink. So not a great end for him. But he died doing what he loved. <laughs> Shooting, shooting while drunk. There's no, but there's, that's how he would have wanted to go, I guess. <laughs> Gracious. Okay. So the Mason gang is also rooted in history. Sam Mason was a revolutionary war militia captain, but after the war became the head of a criminal operation of river pirates on the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. And he operated out of Cave in Rock, Illinois. And most of this film is actually shot at Cave in Rock. I didn't find any evidence he ever came into contact with Davy Crockett. Mason was shot in the head during a prison transfer escape from the Spanish government in 1803. And Crockett would have been 17 and in Baltimore, possibly West Tennessee, but most likely Baltimore at that time. So, but still, this is a pretty good mashup of some semi-mythical legends from American history. And Yeah, and, so and you know, Davy Crockett is such a good shot. Maybe he could shoot <laughs> all the way from Baltimore to, to this, uh, I mean, wouldn't put it past him. He killed a bear when he was only three, Andy. <sighs> I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a long shot. <laughs> okay. Mm. So, <laughs> so, so we've, and we've discussed this on the program before, but in the 1950s, Walt Disney was producing weekly one hour television programs for ABC and the revenue from these programs builds the Disneyland theme park. 
One of Disney's wishes was to highlight historical figures, and Davy Crockett fit that bill. And of course, it doesn't hurt that Disney's trying to showcase Frontierland at Disneyland at the same time, right? The first two seasons of Disneyland include three Davy Crockett episodes each, the last of which is a behind-the-scenes with Fess Parker. And I would wager, Larry, that the faux coonskin cap is a major reason why we have the theme parks we love so much. I mean, every time you go to Frontierland, wait five minutes, you'll hear Born on a Mountaintop in Tennessee every every mm-hmm. single time. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it is still in the DNA of both Disney World and Disneyland. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. So at the advent of television, Disney really embraced the idea of the miniseries. Uh, and again, this is brand new. Television's brand new. So right. Uh, but but Davy Crockett is really his first, and others include Johnny Tremaine, uh, Texas John Slaughter, uh, the story of Robin Hood, the Sword and the Rose, Zorro. And there are lots of these, and the Western genre though is in, proves enormously popular as family entertainment, and not just for Disney, but for you know other other TV studios and, and networks. And so, but Disney really takes it off the traditional production lot and into the wild, I think, where his sort of true life adventures and his new TV show kind of meet in the middle. So, yeah, I mean, Walt was a a brilliant businessman. I mean, you know, sometimes we take issue with Walt, the storyteller, but Walt, the businessman, it's really he, he has a TV show. He has movies and he has a theme park and he uses each of those things that he has to sell the other two items it's it's everything is entertainment but everything is also selling his other stuff it's brilliant yeah and i'm not sure how much that's walt and how much of that is his brother roy Roy. but certainly they're they're they get it they get what works between the two of them yes yeah it's magic for sure Mm -hmm. all right so now let's get to our favorite uh Uh. feature here racist roundup Mm. Uh, i'm gonna make this a Fairly brief racist roundup because we covered the issues with the Davy Crockett movies uh, when we talked about Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Uh, so there is a depiction of the native people and there it is a problematic uh, depiction of indigenous people uh, in the United States. But it is it is tempered in my mind by the fact that if you were to hold it to the standards of 1956, it is progressive. By the standards of 2023, abysmal. But I have to imagine if you are if you were someone from an indigenous tribe in 1956 and you're seeing all of these cowboy movies and western movies and Lone Ranger and what have you and you watch Davy Crockett you might be offended, but less so than all of those other things combined. And the mitigating factors for me on this are really uh, Davy, his his approach when dealing with the indigenous people is first and foremost, he sees them as human beings and human beings he can reason with. Uh, the, uh, the indigenous folk are not the culprits. Uh, right. They're not the villains of this. Yes, they threaten to go to war with the U.S., but it is a reaction to being hunted by the U.S. because they've been framed by other people. 
There are a number of things that happen in this movie that by today's standards are inexcusable. The language that's used, uh, not just to describe uh, the Native people, but also, you know, the way in which they have the Native people speak and choosing words like, you know, like it's, it's definitely, it's definitely fantasy stereotypical kind of language. But if you were to compare this to, say, Peter Pan and mm-hmm. and the song right. What Makes the Red Man Red, which led to my children fleeing the room in embarrassment, it's so racist. Right. Uh, this is, by 1956 standards, progressive. Right. It's not and, and, as progressive as we'd like, but it's progressive for that time. Right. And this program predates the civil rights movement. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, there are some pretty strong, didactic, overt statements about how Native Americans are be, are to be treated. And it's going into everyone's television, uh, sorry, everyone's television set, because nobody's going to miss Davy Crockett and Walt Disney on Sunday night, right? So it's it's a more progressive way of looking at the world and the people in it. And... um yeah. I don't think we ever see in either of these two movies Davy Crockett kill a Native American. He nope. fights with one, as I recall, but he also right. fights alongside others. Um, and and I think, I think that subverts get, expectations get, of the time. I think a few period. of them get killed. I think a few of them get killed uh, during the uh, skirmishes with where he's fighting as a Tennessee volunteer. But I think when he's on his own, he doesn't. Right. They, they, they seems to seems to be able to make peace. And you wouldn't. I don't know that we would be able to point out Davy killed that particular person either. And if right. he does, he takes no pleasure from it either. No, that's no. not. It's not. That's not how he wants this to go down. Right. So, right. having having put this to the side for the moment, uh, let's get into the plot of Davy Crockett and the River Pirates, that's which. Good. Which, um, because it's two episodes strung together into a movie, is kind of going to have two inciting incidents and two climaxes, one right after the other. Uh, if if this was originally intended to be a movie, I would say that that's a flaw in the movie. But each individual television episode is supposed to have those things. Uh, you know, the only thing that you could say is maybe they shouldn't have strung them together into a movie, but I don't know that that's true. So let's let's start off with the Manish Tana. And if there's a part of this that I think maybe gets me off on the wrong foot a little bit, Andy, is that the Manish Tana is Davy and Georgie are in the woods. It's night and they're tired and they because they've been hunting animals for their fur. Uh, and they're getting ready to go to bed. And they right. banter a little bit. Um, but like, really, they're hunkering down. They're clearly drowsy. There are some wacky shenanigans with animals. There's there's like nuts being dropped on Georgie's head and a skunk sneaks into the bedroll with him. Right. Um, but but not much happens during this Manishtana. And ult- ultimately, you know, uh, ultimately, the story doesn't really start here. This is like the night before the story, an unexceptional night in the in the night of in the lives of Davy Crockett and Georgie. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask Andy, why start here? Why not start where the action is? We have a couple of ideas about this. Um, the last time we saw Davy, he was dying at the Alamo. Well, we didn't see him die. We saw him fighting at the Alamo. 
So a viewer, especially a young viewer, might breathe a bit of relief that we're going to get more Crockett. Also, it seems a little bit more fun and a little less political. Right. um, Because there was a whole lot of, you know, politics in the last one, and maybe that doesn't translate well to a younger viewer. Don't know. Um, There's also a setup. It's not a great setup, but it is a setup uh, for the inciting incident in that Georgie Russell's getting into some trouble and Davey's going to tolerate and deal with it. And the other thing is they're good friends again. So if we had any uh, concerns that they were no longer friends after what happened at the Alamo, they're good friends again. So I think you're right. I think they're trying to do some tone setting here. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the original movie does get heavy in several places. Whenever your main character is going to die at the end, it's it's got to go to a heavy place. We know he's not going to die at the end of this one. Uh, this is gonna. This is. They're promising us shenanigans and hijinks, and that, and that we're not gonna get upset by the way this ended. And right. I think you're also right. If there's a child in the audience whose parents told them that Davy Crockett went to a very really nice farm up north where he hangs out with Bambi's mother, um, th- you know that child is like, oh, good, mom didn't lie to me. Uh, here he is. He's fine. Guess guess he fought his way out of the Alamo. Um, right. I guess. Uh, so we get into the story and I think we get to the inciting incident a little on the late side, not very on the late side. We get to the river, uh, Davy, Davy and Georgie need passage down the river because they have all these furs. Me personally, I like to plan these things out a little bit in advance. I, tr- I try to figure out how much, you know, how I'm getting home, but, but that's not how these gentlemen roll. There are two riverboats available. One has no crew and is is run by uh, an older gentleman who doesn't seem hopeful that he's going to be taking off anytime soon. And the other is run by Mike Fink, King of the River, who gives a speech very similar to the one that Andy uh, uh, read from the historical things about how he can outfight, outdrink, outshoot anybody on the river. Um he and Davy get together and we get the sense that like Mike is used to being a legendary figure and loves it. But when he meets Davy Crockett, who's an even more legendary figure, it ru- it ruffles him the wrong way. There's too many roosters in this hen house. Uh, so when Davy's like, I need passage going down, Mike's like, give me a thousand dollars and I'll take you down the river, which is a ridiculous amount of, of money for this it's it's, it's not, a ridiculous amount of money now sure but i mean <laughs> and, but but this 18, is the 1823 it's it's going to be even more ridiculous but in right? 1823 this is the equivalent of dr evil like uh, putting his like pinky finger in his mouth and going one billion dollars you know like it's 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 absurd right so davy decides well you know hey let's recruit a crew for this other guy on the riverboat and as they're recruiting the crew, Georgie happens into the tavern where Mike Fink is, and Mike gets him drunk. And when Davy comes into the tavern later, Georgie is like hanging from the chandelier as if he's on a rowboat, uh, drunk out of his mind. And apparently, while, while intoxicated, made a bet with Mike Fink that Davy was better than Mike at, at going down the river in a riverboat. And bet all of Davy and Georgie's furs 
against like two barrels of Mike's whiskey that <laughs> disproportionate stakes to be sure uh, that, that Davey can beat uh, Mike Fink in, in a race. Uh, and that I think is the inciting incident, this river race. Now the Agreed. race is on Andy. Yes. Do you feel that there are really high stakes in who wins this river race? No. I mean, I, I think we want to see Davy and Georgie win. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, Davy doesn't even really get all of that upset about it. Like, if, if let's say you and I were on a hunting expedition, that, that would never happen, and we, accumul <laughs> and we accumulate, you know, I don't know. We're, we're hunting VHS. I don't know. I guess. Why. Okay, we're out hunting VHS, and you take all of our VHS tapes, and you trade them after we've been working all season, and you trade them for, I don't know, you you bet them that we're, we can beat somebody. We're going to out-wrestle. We're going to, I'm going to, yes. I'm going to play football against Tom Brady, Andy. That's it. That's it. You're going to play football against Tom Brady for these, uh, for these VHS, right? I... I would be pretty pissed at you, Larry. But right. is Davy but is Davy pissed? He is not. They, well, Davy never never gets angry. I'm also gonna throw out there, this is the sort of this is the sort of thing where when I'm watching a movie like this, I tend to feel like the guy who's more experienced at the job should win. Uh Mike Fink, his thing this is like if Superman and the Flash race, I want the Flash to win. Because that's the Flash's thing. He Indeed. runs. Right. Superman's got other stuff going on. Let the Flash be a little faster than Superman. Let Mike Fink be king of the river. I actually don't want Davy to beat him because because Davy right. should be less good at it. Just but it like, does turn it does turn into this uh, tortoise and hare story, though, right? It does it in does. a way, yeah. But, but that's not what we're here for. We want we want a neck and neck race. It it's just such a one like if Tom Brady and I are playing football together, uh, like the stakes are not whether I win or lose. I will lose, and I'll be grateful for the opportunity to lose. He should beat me. Likewise, if he wants to try to analyze Alice in Wonderland with me, I'm gonna run circles around you, Tom Brady, any day. Anytime, any place, you pick. You pick the Disney movie. You pick. I'll let you pick. I'm. I watched. Remember the Titans. So I, I'm good for that one. But but yeah. but now I mean <laughs> you're cracking me up. Sorry, but that's okay. No, I'm having a great time. I hope Tom, our Tom Brady are listens too. to this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure uh, he does. We might lose a listener. He's upset with me now. I'm sorry, Tom. Um, <laughs> this is great no Crockett I think has to win this race because he has to win his furs back and that's I mean it's his livelihood right but so the stakes would be his livelihood but there, I, there I think there are a way there are ways to give this story more weight um, uh -huh. if if the furs were being sold to build the orphanage, right? right. Um, if, 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 you know, uh, if Georgie had gotten himself into serious trouble and Mike was going to kill uh, Georgie, like if, yeah. when Davey walks in, if 
if Georgie has that mug of cider on his head and Mike is about to shoot it out and Davey's like, oh no, Georgie's going to get killed. I challenge you to a river race as a distraction. There's like, there's like ways to make this, uh, or, and if Mike wins, he's going to shoot, he's going to get to shoot a mug off of Davey, uh, Georgie's head and Georgie might die. Um, there, there's ways to make this work, but the stake is just like, who's going to be the fastest. And, and I got to tell you, even though Mike is a jerk, I mean, he spent his whole life being king of the river. He should win. Nonetheless, they start going down the river and the plot here, we're going to get through this first hour very quickly. First, Mike's ahead. Then Davey's ahead. Then Mike does shenanigans. Then Davey does not quite shenanigans back, but lets Mike get hoisted by his own petard. Um, they, they're constantly getting in front of each other and behind each other. And then inexplicably for periods of a time, they pull over to the side of the river and wait for the other one to catch up. Um, I, well, Mike's, I, Mike's on a drink break, right? Mike's on a drink break. Uh, he, he, he's, I, that's the tortoise in the hair part of it. But at one point, a couple of points, Davy's ahead too. And he pulls over to the side and it's like, gee, I hope doesn't Mike doesn't take, get past us and i'm like yeah davy you should probably why are you resting on land some of you should sleep but keep going down the river this is a race this is why olympic marathons don't take place over the course of two to three days we let everybody cross the line for lap lap one and then we're like all right we'll see lap two tomorrow we keep going sorry right right I will say in fairness to the movie one of the times davy pulls over there's someone in distress And it's more important to him to help someone in distress than it is to win the race. And for me, that's an in-character reason for pulling over. Not everybody can be first, right? That one time. Uh, Mike is about to win the race, but in fact, the person that Davey helped uh, knows a shortcut. And so, you know, there's your reward for doing a good deed. Ultimately, Davey wins the race. And I would say that that's that's the climax. I mean, it just is. We've been racing this whole time. The climax is who's going to win the race. Would you would you? Yeah, I mean, I think Larry and ultimately this is sort of a Sunday school morality tale. Oh, for sure. One of how to make friends of your enemies and how to win fair and square, regardless of what your opponent might choose that maybe drinking's a bad idea. Uh and uh, keeping your word is a good idea, and also just how to bring some some justice, which of course happens in the second part of this movie. Who, who you are, your character is more mm-hmm. important than your results. And right. the movie also promises if you've got good character, you'll get good results anyway. Um, so so it's really a win win to be a good person. Yeah, I will say that at the end of this movie, um, Mike uh, is the bigger man, uh, so to speak, and admits that Davy beat him. Uh, And Davy says, well, you know, I'm not actually going to take your whiskey. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, I kind of cheated by taking a shortcut. Uh, Why don't we just call it off fair and square? You're still king of the river. And then Mike takes his hat and starts to eat it. Not something Davy asked him to do, but something Mike had said earlier. If this guy beats me, I'm going to eat my hat. And we watch him start to eat his hat. And we get the, we get the sense that he has been changed by seeing how great, graceful Davy is in victory. 
mm-hmm. that it's it's if he had been in charge, he would have humiliated Davy. But when Davy is kind to him, it, it in some way changes Mike. And Mike says, you know what? From now on, you're sailing on a riverboat with me. I'm your buddy now. And and Mike and Davy and Georgie are all happy that they're all friends. But Larry suspects somewhere on the other riverboat, the old guy who ran that riverboat is going, but but wasn't I on this team? <laughs> Davy, how could you leave me behind? I, I thought we were in this forever together forever. But but yeah. no. No. But no, we're not gonna focus on that. No. And that is pretty much our one. So we yeah. come we come back to to the wonderful world of Disney or magical world of Disney, whatever show this is, several, several weeks, months later, and we find out that, you know, Mike and Davy and Georgie are about to part ways. Mike's got his own adventures, and Davy and Georgie ha- have other adventures. And what is set up in the first hour, and I didn't talk about this, we see somewhere down the river, there is this gang of river pirates who whenever someone floats nearby, they disguise themselves as native people and then rob rob people down the river. And right. if you watch that first hour, you're like, why, why is this here? Surely Davy and Mike Fink are going to sail by these guys and it's going to be an issue. I actually imagined Mike was going to get captured and Davy was going to rescue him or something along those lines. That does not happen. No. And it is all set up for this second episode uh, Davy Davy hears that there's going to be fighting uh, between between the Native Americans and the U.S. government because the Native Americans have been robbing people down this river, and immediately Davy is like suspicious. That doesn't mm-hmm. sound like the Native Americans to him. That's not how they operate. They're men of their word. There's a treaty. Why would they do that? So he goes to talk to the natives. The Native Americans and and they're like, we aren't doing it, but the U.S. is hunting us as if we did. We're going to get the tribes together. It's going to mean another war, right? And, Davey, and they actually cro- they actually capture Crockett and Russell, right? And so, but I but I, it, it's also sort of thing. I think Davy intends to be captured. It's the surest way for him to get there unharmed to uh, deliver his uh, message. I, I I think whenever we see Davy lose, it's because Davy let them win. Um, ah, gotcha. Davy is perfect. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, um, but but that being said, Davy says, listen, um, you know, I'm believing you in good faith. You should believe the U.S. government in good faith. The U.S. government never lies. If they say if they say that someone's robbing them down the river, they really think it. They are men of their word, at which point I scream at the TV. Don't listen to him. Davy means it. Davy means it, but like you're sitting there and and I don't know that the movie is aware of the dramatic irony of preaching at the Native Americans to take the U.S. government at their word over and over again. U.S. government would never break a treaty or a deal. Right. That's not them. That's like, Davy, Davy, have you learned nothing? (laughs) Sweet, innocent Davy Crockett. Child, child. He's got the heart of a child. All right, but so Davey, right. <laughs> but Davy is a hero, and he's not going to let the Native Americans and and the U.S. government go to war. Right. He's going to solve a, this mystery. He's, he's going to solve the mystery, and he's going to bring some justice. Yes, because because that's this is this is exactly what you put the Davy Crockett signal up for. That's right. This, right. So 
Davy's come up with a plan. And it's it's about time to get back with my old friend Mike Fink, who left the movie 10 minutes ago and it seemed like it was going to be forever and we hugged it out. But he's calling Mike Fink just when Mike Fink thought he was out. They pull him back in. Uh, Davy's got a plan. And the plan is to pass Mike Fink, blustering, blowhard, braggart Mike Fink off as a New York banker who who, who is sailing the river with gold. Uh I, I mean, I don't know what – Mike Fink is many things, but the master of disguise mm. and deceit, I, I got no. – but Mike Fink is in it, and it's it's funny watching Mike Fink try to be a banker because this is a comedy after all. And that's that – you put, you put the person who's worse for the job in the in the disguise. Um, I, I Maybe Davey should have been like, it's a female banker, and it's Mike in a dress. You could you could, it's that kind of it's that kind of hijinks. But Davey yeah. wouldn't humiliate Mike in that way. No. Uh, so Mike is all in. They go to a tavern. There's a guy playing a banjo who, when when Mike starts talking about his gold and how he's not scared of any river pirates and what have you, we immediately see that this guy playing the banjo is so clearly with the bad guys. <laughs> um, he's like he's like. Yes, everyone else is being like, "Don't go down the river; the the pirates will get you." And the guy with the banjo is like, "I'm sure they won't." Um, no, you guys look too smart to get robbed by my bandits. Hey, can I come with you? Uh, and to his credit, Davy isn't fooled by this. He immediately is like, "Is like, yeah, this this guy's clearly with the robbers." But you could see like a five or six year old sitting with their family and listening to this song and going, Davey, can't you hear it? Can't you hear the song? He's one of the bad guys. You know, you can yes. hear that kind of fun. As they sail down the yeah. river, the guy with the banjo starts playing a song and the song is very clearly so his cohorts who are alongside the river know that there's a boat coming as he mm-hmm. sings such lyrics as here we go down the river with lots of gold hidden in the back and <laughs> unmarked bills and unmarked nominations. Glad that no one's going to rob us because if they did, we're <laughs> undefended, undefended uh, on the banjo. Uh, Davy is suspicious of. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a huge exaggeration. <laughs> I I I mean, no, it's pretty great. It it's that's pretty much what he sings. Uh, yes. Davy Davy is like, hey, he's just signaled the guys to rob us. They're about to rob us, but the mm-hmm. guy is down below, and because he he suspects, you know, like, hey, the the robbery is going to happen soon. He happens to see this cannon that Davy and Georgie gave Mike. At the beginning of, at the end of last episode or the beginning right, of this episode, right. it's a canon that says from Davy Crockett to Mike Fink, King of the River. And it raises questions to me about how much Davy really needed to sell his furs if he went to a cannon shop and he decided to pay extra to get the cannon engraved. Maybe the engraving was free. I I mean, I don't know how that, I don't. I, don't I mean, know I'm that not in guy. the habit. I'm not in the habit of buying cannons, but my guess is that I got to tell yeah. you, not that anyone should ever buy me a cannon, but please don't put my name on the cannon. If I use it, if that's not going to help me, 
That's anyway. Not, anyway. Uh, yeah, so, it, re- it really does. It do- but it does help the plot, doesn't it? <laughs> so it's like, it's like 2 a.m. And the guy comes up and he's like, hey, I felt like singing another song. Want to hear it? It's called This Boat's a Trap and it's got Davy Crockett on it and Mike <laughs> like, Fink and a cannon. And he starts singing like, oh, don't you steal from this here boat because... <laughs> It's a trap to get you. And like Davey puts his mouth over him and, and he's like, and I've got my mouth. And, and like they, they throw him down below. Yes. Uh, and, and basically we get to this big fight as the river pirates try to attack Davey and Mike and Georgie. The riverboat starts to sink. Uh, shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. When does this second part get to a climax, Andy? Mm, I'm going to say when the, the, Sam Mason's gang is chased into the cave and rock and you know, they're, uh, they're thwarted there. Yeah. Overcome by the smart, you know, they had uh, gunpowder all ready to I'm not sure why they were going to blow up their own treasure though. They weren't going to blow up their own treasure. So what they were going to do is they were going to cause a cave in so no one could get the treasure oh. till they came back. So no one would stumble across it. That was right. the plan. They would know it was there. But, but Davey other understands just... how gunpowder works. And so he just, the little trail of gunpowder, that's a very Acme thing. They Yes. He rubs it, uh, he rubs it in the dirt and then he sets it on fire going the other way and chases Sam Mason out, right? And the forces of evil have been defeated. The Native Americans mm-hmm. have been cleared. There's not going to be a war. Mike and right. Davy and Georgie are all still the best of friends. And we are promised more adventures of Davy Crockett that will never happen. Um, or not from Disney. Uh, no, no. no and this not, is it for them. I'm not yeah, sure I'm not, why. I don't really know either. I have some suspicions. Um, but I do know that Crockett or Fess Parker goes on to be Daniel Boone. Which oh, what is, a breakout uh, role. Huge departure. <laughs> don't want to get typecast. So it's, well, it's, it's, it's basically the same show. And he does. Uh, I think he's the dad in old yeller. Oh, we're doing that later this season, Andy. I know we're going to get to see old Fess again. So don't, oh, don't good. get too sad. Don't be too sad. Does he play the dog? No, he plays <laughs> the dad. You said, Oh, darn, <laughs> darn. I was, okay, I was well, hoping. Let's, Let's talk about some of these characters a little bit. Let's talk about Davy Crockett and Fess Parker. I know you are mm, underwhelmed by Fess's performance here. He is so flat, Andy. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everything he says calms me down. Like if I couldn't sleep at night and like I'd be like, Fess, let's talk for a little bit. Tell me what's going on with you, Fess. And I think Fess would lull me to sleep. The man doesn't get angry. He doesn't get sad. He doesn't fall in love. He's occasionally mildly sarcastic. He occasionally will wink with a hint of a smile in his face. But but if you're the protagonist of the story, you got to go through changes. You've got to right. arc. And I feel right. like... Davy Crockett is Captain America before there was Captain America. He's just perfect. You right. can't get a rise out of him. Uh, and I think I said this when we did King of the Wild Frontier. The whole reason Georgie is in these stories is to give the give the emotional work to somebody else. Georgie mm-hmm. can get angry at Mike Fink. Georgie can want to do hijinks against Mike Fink or think about cheating. And it's all Georgie. 
Georgie can get sad when Davy's wife dies, right? Yes, Georgie cries when Davy's wife dies, and Davy's like, "Well, yes, I'm a bachelor. Should I go see the children?" Ladder <laughs> says, "I shouldn't. I guess I can trust in that." Moving on, and Georgie's like, "Why, Polly Crockett? Why you're the only woman Davy will ever love?" And and Davy's like, "That's true. We'll never love again." <laughs> I'm a man of determined passion. But it does feel a lot of the time <laughs> that he's outside of the story. That, right. that he's he's yeah. one step away from being the narrator. He's observing so much mm-hmm. and giving so little to these scenes. Um but if we if we want to make it not a performance issue cuz cuz we could say we could say that this is a deliberate choice. If you compare it to all of the other western movies that are coming, you mm-hmm. get different protagonists and maybe in a sea of all of these sheriffs who came to town and they're going to bring law and order uh maybe davy feels like this is a bold new direction in terms of a protagonist a stoic guy who doesn't get emotional who takes everyone at their word and is just a good person it might be that in the conversation of 1956 davy is more interesting than he is just watching this movie by itself. I mean, this, the the Crockett craze of the 1950s is, it's huge. So whatever alchemy they're using in their screenwriting and performance, it worked. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't do this today. You wouldn't. No. Uh, and, and you kind of have to look at this movie and squint a little bit and say, Georgie and Davy are really one person. Um, that together they function as the protagonist, as a as a pair. Uh, right. Davy's got top billing. But Davy's the straight guy to Georgie's, you know. Yeah, more emotional, more comedian. Yeah, yeah, more. I would I would agree with you there. I just I just wish there were stakes for him. Uh, anything, anything. I wish he developed more personal relationships. He he kind of bonds with Mike Fink, but even then. Like Mike is carrying those scenes. Oh, for sure. For Mike sure. is a delight, by the way. I would not be Jeff opposed York to seeing. And Mike. Yeah, I would. I would not be opposed to seeing Mike Fink movies that didn't have Davy in them. Oh yeah. Um, I, he is a character. Uh, I mean, he's po- he's pompous. He's got a sort of um, honeymooners. Uh, Ralph Cramden sort of. Yeah. Like, I'm a blowhard, but but like you you wouldn't mind watching me fail a few times till I finally get a win in sort of thing. It it occurs to me while we're talking that there is this the the characters of like Buddy Epson, uh, uh, and Georgie Russell, Jeff York's performance as Mike Fink, even Mort Mills as Samuel Mason, they're all really dynamic. Right. And Davy is as straight as an arrow, and maybe that's part of what's trying to be communicated here. That no matter what befall you, right, you can be stoic. It's just stoic isn't interesting. It might be a good moral, but, right. but watching stoic people accept fate stoically is about as dull a premise. <laughs> Watch how he's unchanged. Watch and, him and, raise and an yet, eyebrow in anger. And yeah, if if it really is that morality play that I talked about earlier, maybe that is the underlying message, which is that you can you can handle anything that's coming your way. And this is coming right on the heels of the greatest generation who went off and fought in World War II and didn't complain yeah, about it, right? This is, like, I this mean, this is ten years 
really after World War II. But World War II has been mythologized into in by this point. Like people have lived it, but like mm-hmm. in, in their minds, like, what does it really mean to be a man? You serve your country, you don't complain, and you give your life if you have to give your life. And that's that's right. That's and the in story that, way, that the United States is telling themselves. Yeah, and in that way, Davy Crockett fits into that narrative. I agree. I agree. Um, One thing that you had pointed out uh, in pre-production that I think Mm -hmm. is worth bringing out here is that uh, Davy continually beats uh, villains with their own tricks. Um, uh, You had had made a really great point about, what was it? It was about the River Pirates specifically, the way he beats them. They've been... They've been oh well, well they they dress up right as as characters uh, as native people to uh, make everyone to really throw the scent off their trail right and so what does Davy do he dresses Mike Fink up as a banker right and so, so he use uses that same disguises too and that th- yeah so the bad guys are thwarted by their own. They get a good taste of their own medicine, right? They get exactly what they've been giving out to the world. That gunpowder right. trail that was going towards the cave, they it's set that trail. The, yep, now it's David going just the other direction. sends it the other direction That's back right. to them. That's um, right. That's and, right. Uh, there's something very fair-minded in the way in which he mm-hmm. punishes the villains here. But he um, just gives them what they've got coming to them. So there's this idea and no more. of... And yeah, no more there's this that. idea of the going around and the coming around, right? And... Davey's yep. kind of above the fray, and he's going to hand out the coming around. So, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, what about pitch time today? Pitch time. Uh, okay, I've got, I've got two. I've got okay. two for you, Andy. Okay. So the first one is, I like mashups. And there's a part of me that wishes Mike Fink had had his own movie before mm-hmm. meeting Davey Crockett. And this movie would be like, it's Mike Fink and Davey Crockett. In the same movie. Like no, I that would love, be, that would have been really cool. I love that. that. So cool. my first pitch is let's get a frontier land um cinematic universe. Tom Sawyer, Johnny Tremaine, Pecos Bill, Johnny Appleseed, uh, let's and Davy Crockett, some historical, some mythological, but let's maybe get Zorro. We'll throw Zorro in. Annie there too. Oakley. Let's get some. Let's get That's some right. Annie Oakley. I don't know that there's ever been a Disney Annie Oakley, but di- let's let's Ooh, get her. Oh, there in it is. There. There's your pitch. Disney's Annie Oakley. Oh, that would be good. And it's Polly Crockett in disguise. Um but <laughs> Uh, but let's get them together and and like have them fight some, I don't know, like Ponce de Leon found the fountain of youth and now he's an undead abomination. Something, something. We could do something with that. So that's pitch number one. That's good. But pitch number two is even better, Andy. Okay. Because it, th- this comes from lore of Davy Crockett. As we all know, after he was born on a mountaintop in Tennessee, he killed him a bear when he was just three. I want that story. <laughs> I want Baby Crockett. Baby, Baby Croc- Crockett. King of the wild diaper. Diaper. <laughs> uh, I want Baby versus Bear. Oh. It feels like a one-sided fight, but somehow Baby Crockett defeats Baby a Crockett. bear and kills him. Mama Crockett and Papa Crockett <laughs> come home to a bearskin rug and they're like, Baby Davy, what did you do? And he he just smiles and says, Well, Ma, I reckon I'd like it if you changed me now. Maybe got me a glass of milk because I killed the bear while you guys was gone. Protected the homestead. <laughs> 
I love it. Baby I love Crockett. it. Also, also, uh, I had a young baby Crockett when he was little. So I know you did. I know you will always have affection <laughs> so for I love baby your, Crockett. I love your baby Crockett pitch. It so, is a billion uh, dollar industry. Disney, <laughs> call me. I mean, it worked once. Why can't it work again? So I really want to see a Davy Crockett biopic that's more rooted in fact than fiction. And I'm not sure if. That's Disney fair. But, but it could he, be. They've done biopics. Well, yeah, but his life is definitely a dramatic story, particularly his life as a teenager and the the rift there and how he reconciled with his family. I think he learned some life lessons there that really set the stage for his future negotiations with Native people and his willingness to stand up to the U.S. government. I, oh. I I think there's something to it. I think I think we can handle a more mature Davy Crockett story mm-hmm. now. Yeah, uh, we can have a conversation now about a, a hero who's got some flaws, whose past might not be perfect and might have exactly. some exactly, but eventually became the man who like walked out on Congress because they were going to break a treaty. Uh, who yep. stood up to Andrew Jackson uh, and died at the Alamo. I I I. I I think you're right. I think we could handle yeah. a more nuanced story. I like that too. Yep. Again, can we can we find out if he killed a, ba- a bear when he was three? Because because well, I think that's really the the uh, that's the myth. That's not that's well, not fact. No, I mean I think that's the exposition at the beginning. Right? He was three, but he was almost four. His birthday was <laughs> next week, so it's been blown out of proportion. <laughs> what movie are we tackling next week, Larry? Next week, well. If you like problematic depictions of Native Americans, have oh. I got a movie for you. Uh, we're going to watch Pocahontas next week. All right. Um, animated movie. Uh, what is it? I think it's 1994. Uh, you guys know like Pocahontas that. if you're listening. You, like, this, is one of, this is one of the biggies of the 90s is Pocahontas. We'll have that conversation next week. Awesome. Well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can drop us a line in our mailbag at onceuponadisneypodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. Tom Brady, I'm calling you out. We're going to have an analysis off. All right. Mickey and the Beanstalk. I'm going to take it easy on you. Let's go. Let's do this. Thank you.